not a it's not a bad place for founders to be necessarily. It's a it's a point where I think you can shine. And luckily he looks like me and not you. So there's no awkward questions to answer. We're going to be funding some companies that um, that pitch on the show. So um, get your pitches ready. Be ready to potentially have us invest in your next round. So if somebody ever finds that magical money tree, then everything's a yes. We'll just kind of make it happen. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back to the Results Junkies podcast. Paul and I are both back in our basements. Uh, Me after a crazy week of travel and Paul, I don't know that you left. When was the last time you were on a plane, man? Uh, It's probably been about two months now and I am loving every moment of it. Oh, you must be. You you must be. That must be so incredible. I was going to say, because you have had, uh, it sounds like a uh, very adventurous two or three weeks and particularly a very adventurous and sporty previous 72 hours maybe <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the short version is you know we said we had we had 10 total flight segments for summer f- family travel and i said you know i'd be shocked if we made it through all 10 without some battle wounds and um yeah we we got we got through our first eight with um with essentially two smallish delays like one 30 minute delay and one two hour delay um and i was like all right like i i still think we, like there's another shoe to drop and lo and behold flight number nine united canceled our our flights to disney a few hours before we were supposed to take off and then um couldn't really give us any great uh alternatives um you know made up a couple of rules while i was on the phone with the supervisor about telling us why they couldn't move us to another airline it was just a full-on uh you know what show so we have been bitten by the summer travel bug um you know, easy just to say to folks like if you're out there traveling just have a backup plan for your backup plan right now i i have a i don't mean to make fun of it though because i'll be in the same boat as you in a year or two our our kids are just so young at the moment that you know our travel radius this summer is limited to two or three hours of driving distance and that sort of thing but i'll tell you i think i don't think people know uh that (laughs) years ago you actually married dana and i yep and this is, I find this, which I love by the way, but I find it particularly hilarious because if anybody knows you, they know that you love donuts. Like you don't just love donuts. You <laughs> probably have some share in donut companies that we don't know about. You just eat them all the time. Anyway, my, uh, my second born, my second kid right now, uh, Henry is three. This kid has for the last six or eight weeks has just all of a sudden decided donuts are his thing. <laughs> And so <laughs> I spent the, a lot of my daily travel has really just been taking him on car rides after camp to go find a Dunkin' Donuts or something and find him a donut. So I don't know what kind of parent that makes me because this kid is like living off of pizza and donuts right now. <laughs> but <laughs> I just think it's hilarious because I think of you every single time. And luckily he looks like me <laughs> and not you. So <laughs> well, there's no awkward questions to answer. <laughs> uh, uh, oh man yeah and you're right i don't know what we've talked about it on the pod but i did perform uh i did perform your wedding ceremony in in paris in paris back when times were more normal um and i'm trying to remember yeah in paris and as i recall you uh i think you got mugged or robbed on the way back to the airport i mean i don't mean to laugh but i i totally I forgot about that till this moment yeah no, my yeah, no, I got yeah, my laptop, my laptop got stolen, my my backpack and laptop got stolen. I had to go get my passport, um, you know, to, uh, I used to get a temporary passport from the Paris embassy. Um, it was it was crazy, and that was was it 2018? I think so. 
17 or 18. I should know this, but yes, it was somewhere around there. I yeah. remember on the other side of this Thanksgiving ish. That's right. It was right after, was like that's right. It was right time. after Thanksgiving. I think it was 2018. Yeah. And, uh, I remember on our end, there was a, there were protests happening in Paris at the time. And, uh, so we yes. had, rather than spend our, the rest of the week in Paris, we ended up hopping a short flight to Rome on Air France. And I still remember like, uh, somehow the lady next to us real, like we just booked whatever was available same day. And, um, so like somehow the lady next to us figured out that we had just gotten married. And so she, this wonderful French woman flags down the flight attendant who then drags us up to the front of the airplane and proceeds to, oh, he, he proceeds to, <laughs> he didn't make a big deal of it, but what he did was he opened up a duty free bag and just started dumping airplane bottles of booze. <laughs> into this thing so we have a selfie <laughs> at the front of this airplane up at uh, you know up in the sky and this guy's just dumping booze in anyway <laughs> uh, oh well what are we a couple minutes into the episode and listeners are probably like what are what is this episode about <laughs> right yeah yeah all the all this fun stuff before there was a pandemic um so we're gonna talk uh we're gonna talk a little bit about uh about beacon today updates um and we're gonna talk uh we're gonna talk about Shopify. We're going to talk a little bit about where um, where fundraising is right now. Um, if you're listening in, you can email the show show at resultsjunkies.com. Uh, you can find Paul online at Paul Singh on all the social media platforms. You can find me at Pizza in Motion. Um, and now that I'm done with summer travel, we'll be able, hopefully be able to coordinate episodes soon with Claire, one of the founders from your portfolio. Um, so we'll have Claire on as a guest soon. Um, and also, um, just a quick tease, we're going to work on some details in the background, but we're also going to be, um, we're going to be funding some companies that, um, that pitch on the show. So, um, get your pitches ready, uh, and, uh, and be, uh, be ready to potentially have us invest in your next round. So, you know, with all that being said, you know, I, while we were at Disney, I, I certainly missed, you know, I'm sure I missed some news, but the one piece of news I didn't miss in, in, in that collection was that Shopify had laid off about 10% of their workforce. And, and you and I have talked about layoffs uh, ad nauseum on the show, the last handful of, of episodes. It's been, it's been pretty crazy. Um, but the Shopify layoff was interesting in in two respects, and and I'm you know interested to hear your thoughts. I think first one is is that it, in size, you know, it was a uh, about ten percent of their workforce, about a thousand employees, and the second was that their CEO Toby was uh, refreshingly blunt and honest in saying, you know, we we made a bet on on where we thought the market was going to go, um, at, you know, through the pandemic, and I, you know, I made that bet and I was wrong. And, you know, this is, this is us. I think it's very direct. So, um, you know, teeing that up for you to, to sort of let us know where your thoughts are on that. Well, I, I think, yeah. Well, first off, that, that part I think is really refreshing. I think should be the model of how you handle this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no, you know, redirecting, there was no hemming and hawing. There was nothing. It just, Hey, this is what happened. Here's why, you know, here's, it was just so good. Uh, on the other hand, like, I think, you know, Shopify is probably, and, and, and I, I don't know this, you know, exact numbers here, but when I think about the broader sort of, you know, e-commerce ecosystem or whatever, Shopify is a big player. I mean, yeah. they're, they're right up there, you know, chasing Amazon in terms of their FBA business and that sort of thing. So 
I think a, I think it was a month or two ago, Amazon put out there was something buried in their earnings report that talked about this idea of how they went from grossly understaffed to massively overstaffed all of a sudden. I, I think it said literally said all of a sudden, and that was a interesting way to word the fact that they needed to cut back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so now you have their like I don't think Amazon sees Shopify as like a, a problem, but but Shopify is really working hard to try to get up there and 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 take away FBA customers, you know. And so now you have Shopify, you know, dialing it back and and uh I think it's a big deal. But um it's not surprising either, you know, and you talked about this in the pre-show about how uh, what it really is about e-commerce starting to revert back to the mean. You know, for the last 10 years, e-commerce has generally grown at something like four or 5%, you know, over any given time period. And COVID accelerated that. I mean, I think the the big tweetable phrase two years ago when the, when the pandemic started was something like, hey, we've seen, I think people would say 10 years of e-commerce growth in two quarters or something like that. But now when you zoom out, it, it's sort of getting back, it's sort of settling back to that. Uh, more more standard four or five percent growth so i don't know it, it all it looks like doom and gloom when you zoom in when you're zoomed in and you just look at the last three quarters or the last two weeks or something like that when you zoom in everything looks horrible um but when you zoom back out it, it, it doesn't look so bad actually it's sort of just everything's settling back to where it should be right now i i feel bad saying that though because a lot of people are getting hurt in this mess yeah. You know, like you said, a thousand people are getting let go. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to like disrespect that, but, but at the same time, like from an industry standpoint, everything's sort of, um, sort of settling back, uh, which is why I kind of wanted to talk about that other thing, um, you know, in terms of like term sheets and all that. But, but before we go there, like, what, what do you think about this whole Shopify? Like, like, obviously you're, you like the way he delivered the message, but you know, broader. How do you think about this? Well, I think two things. Um, one, um, one sort of, you know, just macro. Um, so like we, we've referred to layoffs at FYI a number of times on the show. It's a, it's a, a, a reasonably good tracker of layoffs, um, you know, that you can access publicly. We believe the information's, you know, pretty, uh, pretty accurate. Um, and I, you know, one of the, one of the things I did in the pre-show, um, just, you know, get ready to record was I look back and you know, there's roughly a hundred companies that have laid off or that are listed on layoffs at FYI since we last um, talked about it on the, on the pod a few weeks ago. So call it, you know, roughly July, which is a pretty insane number. But I think more interestingly was that, um, that Shopify actually laid off 50 employees uh, back at the beginning of July. And, and I wouldn't say it was a nothing story. It was a, you know, um, it was a, it was, a, it was, a, it, at the time it seemed like, okay, like, you know, like that's not surprising. Um, you know, but a, a, a lot of change in a month and, and they're, you know, they're obviously cutting again, they're cutting in a fairly significant way. So I think macro, I think that shows that, um, you know, just as a general, uh, thesis, you know, founders obviously need to be prepared to, to continue to make, uh, painful changes. Um, and I don't think any company wants to do layoffs twice in a month, uh, but, but Shopify obviously sees something in their data that, that indicates that this is necessary. Um, and I think then just like to the granular, you, you made the comment about moving back to a more normalized growth rate. And I think Toby mentioned in a statement that they were going to grow at, you know, call it 5% a year. Um, and, and that's, 
those are really solid growth numbers for a company the size of Shopify. I mean, Shopify is a big company. I mean, obviously, a a startup that grows at 5% year over year gross revenue isn't growing at the sort of pace it needs to grow. Uh, But I think it's important to note that as those companies' growth are slowing down, you know, obviously, there's this knock-on effect for everything else in the ecosystem that comes below that. And whether it's inflationary pressure or... Um, or customer behavior changing. You, know, you and I talked in the pre-show about, you know, does the person, you know, you know, do, is it now more normal just to go back into a store and try on a pair of shoes? Um, you know, all that stuff. I think, you know, we, I think I really felt like there was a justifiable argument for founders to believe that we were accelerating to a, a, a an environment that was much more structured around direct to consumer. And I think, you know, we're recording this on, on Monday of this week. So by the time this comes out, the delivery platform companies, DoorDash, Uber Eats, and, and Grubhub will all have reported. And I, I want to talk about them next week, potentially, depending on what their numbers look like. But I think with Shopify reverting to the mean, I think it's, I think it's, it, it's, I think it's, I think we can say authoritatively, like there's not a, this C change to DTC is probably not going to be as severe as it was uh, once originally thought to be. And founders, if they haven't, uh, thought about their internal structures in that sort of an environment, they need to do it super, super quickly because and this is probably a good segue to you talking about term sheets. Um, I think founders you know, are, are seeing that investors are taking more time and asking more questions and things of that nature. And I think when Shopify lays off a thousand people, even the lazy investor is going to start asking questions about founders DTC strategies. And so I think having already you know, having already seen big numbers like that, founders really need to do that homework now and make sure that they understand how how their business is going to uh, potentially grow over the next 12 to 18 months and what they should be doing internally before they even consider raising. Yeah, yeah. You know, on that note, and before we jump to the term sheets, I'll just kind of admit what I talked about with Ed on the pre-show is that, you know, obviously like, what we know is there's inflationary pressure. We know there are, you know, a lot of people getting let go. There's a lot of things that are happening simultaneously that are causing uh, overall spending to, 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 to slow. And, and again, people might disagree with me on that because whatever, but, but that's okay. But here's the thing. I know at least at my household, we have consciously uh, changed our conspicuous spending. So for example, uh, what used to be 20, 30, or 40 Amazon subscribe and save solely for um, convenience have now been cut down to maybe a third or a quarter of what they used to be two months ago. And uh, one of us will just kind of pick up those things from Walmart or you know Target or something like that uh, after dropping the kids off at camp one morning uh, every week. And and you know I I know we're privileged and, and fortunate to be able to do that, but you know, it's hard to look around in your neighborhood and know that you've got neighbors that might be worried about their job. They might be worried about other things. And we just don't, we just want to be really thoughtful about not being conspicuous. So I, I don't know if that's a big number of people, but I guess the reason I say that is because, you know, as we, as we start talking about these term sheets, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, and I'm hesitating here cause I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to get judged here by, by listeners, but you know, to your point about how investors are thinking about new investments and, you know, I guess to be really blunt, I'm sort of really asking myself, is what you sell 
uh, really a necessity. Because if it's not, like, I don't know what the next three, six, or, you know, 18 months are going to bring for consumers. And so um, as an investor, it's like, you know, that 18 month runway you might be raising, the math might check out, everything might look good on the term sheet and the deck and all that stuff, you know, all the, you know, no red flags or anything. But now we got to really talk about the product and ask ourselves, like, is this the thing that, you know, is going to get whittled off the family's expenses or whatever, if something goes sideways. Um, And I, (laughs) to be even more blunt to the audience, what I said to Ed was like, uh, you know, so Ed and I have this text chain, you know, before we start recording of what we're going to talk about. And (laughs) he's like really thoughtful and crisp about what he wants to talk about. And then I sent him this like wall of text where I'm like, I don't know how to explain this, but I want to talk to you about three new investments that I want to do. But at the same time, I don't know like how, whether I should even bring these up because I can't figure out whether I should just save the money for our existing portfolio companies that might need help in the next three, six or nine months. I I don't know how to, I just don't know how to process that as an angel because venture firms, as you know, generally have to do something. They either need to tell the LPs they're going to hold off or they're going to tell the LPs that they're going to keep deploying so they can justify the management fees. You and I don't have that pressure as individuals, sure. um, but it is a little harder because, you, you know, at the same time, we don't have infinite money. So now that I've rambled this incoherent thought out, I, I maybe we can think about this out loud on the pod here for a minute. I'm curious how you think about that. You know, uh, if, you know, let's say you've got to go make a 25 or 50K angel investment into a new startup, or you could keep that money, you know, in the hopper just in case one of your other portfolio companies decides to raise a new round or something like i know that's a very simplistic example but curious how you how you think about that no i think it's an interesting question especially because you know you know for the longest time you uh, we used to use as a benchmark internally uh, my business partner i used to use a stock called kinder morgan uh, it's a pipeline company and the the you know the the Kinder Morgan itself isn't necessarily relevant here. It was more that Kinder Morgan, as a pipeline company, owned the pipelines, not the oil. So they were really more like a toll road, and it paid like an eight percent dividend. And so in our mind, it was like, all right, well, we consider that dividend to be really safe. So if we're gonna we're gonna go out and invest, you know, we 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 want to know that we can do better than we could with Kinder, because um, if not, we could just put it in Kinder and make eight percent. Um, and that was because interest rates were effectively zero. So like, you weren't gonna park money in bank accounts and stuff like that everything's changing as far as these things are concerned. You can actually earn interest on money in the bank. Um, you know, th- th- lots of things are moving up. And so the other thing I think that confronts some family offices is that, you know, it's not like we just have to invest in startups. Um, you know, there are other things that we could put money into, real estate, other buckets that that could prove to be meaningful in this, um, in this environment. You know, I think, uh, honestly, your comment about you know, saving money. Well, I'm mean, not saving money. Sorry, but like holding money back for for uh, you know future follow-on investments in in uh, in our in our portfolio companies is a really um, interesting question or comment for where things are right now because we know valuations have come down. Um, does that mean that you know that we have deals, or does that mean that we're reverting to the mean? You know, like we just talked about with Shopify. Any way you go, it's, it's certainly more appealing as an investor to be investing today at uh, at the numbers that are out there than, say, a year ago. So I do think we're, 
being very thoughtful on starting new positions um, and making sure that whether it's a new position or a following company that that it's it feels like it's priced, uh, you know, reasonably. And to your point, I think, you know, we're going to see some rounds with follow ons of companies. We have two or three years of history and that we're going to want to focus on more. I think, you know, for founders, I, I think the way that you'll probably feel this played out is um, radio silence. You're not going to get a yes. You may not get a no. You're going to get a lot more radio silence just because that's what's happening behind the scenes, I think, is that, you know, it's less of a reflection on... Actually, let me say this a different way. You know, I think since the beginning of venture capital, if you get a no, that's actually a good thing because now you can just sort of look the other way uh, because that's that's typically a hard no. And then if you get a yes, that's typically a good thing as well, because at least it's a hard yes and you're moving forward. Uh, but what most people experience is something in the middle, which is ghosting or radio silence. And, you know, uh, it, I know it doesn't feel good, but you probably shouldn't take that personally, because it, it's really about optionality. You know, like if you're not getting a no, that probably means you're within the uh, thesis or within the scope of a possible investment, but you're not quite a yes at this point. Right. And so I, I guess what I'm just trying to point out is, is that given the uncertainty of the next few months and quarters, I think that that group of companies that's experiencing radio silence from investors, including me, uh, by the way, sorry if you're listening to this and you're one of those, <laughs> but it's, it's it, it, that, that middle bucket is getting much bigger, much wider, and it's not really a reflection on you per se, as much as it's a reflection on the overall uncertainty of where things are at right now. And um, I, I don't know how to resolve that or make anybody feel better about it, but I think it's important to just understand w what's happening, you know? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure what, like where, how to reconcile that and, and make it better. Like, you know, look, I think if there was infinite money, if, there's, if somebody ever finds that magical money tree, then everything's a yes. We'll just kind of make it happen. <laughs> but, you know, life is just a little bit more complicated and, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this thing kind of plays out. But like you said, it'll be interesting to see how these next couple of days play out because the, I think those earnings reports from the delivery companies are, are going to either be nothing, which I, I'd probably put that at a very small single digit percentage chance, or those, the, the, the overall numbers they're going to share, negative or positive, are going to start to shape the narrative of, of, you know, some of the broader conversations around where the economy is heading. Again, I know I'm just one data point, so I don't mean anything, but like yeah. we used to order in, you know, one night a week uh, on, you know, Uber Eats or whatever the restaurant supported. We just haven't done that in two months. You know, it's just easier for one of us to run out after the kids go down and just go pick it up. And um, again, I know I'm just one data point, but it'll be interesting to see what these earnings reports show. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know what they'll show, to be clear. Um, I, I tend to think they're going to show... Um, I, think, I tend to think they're going to show reversion to the mean as well, and I'll use our experiences in the, in Five Guys as an example. Like we've we've certainly seen, you know, the numbers drift back to more people coming in into the store um, versus ordering from third party platforms, at least from the peaks of 2020. Um, and and I think I, I do think, and it, again, dig into it more next week. I do think there's a difference between the Shopify business model and the DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats model uh, when you get to reducing flow. Um, I, I think that Shopify had reached a point um, progressively where, um, yeah, you know, like these layoffs are obviously going to be very painful, 
but they reach some level of scale. Whereas I don't know that the, the model's really been proven out the way it exists today with DoorDash, Uber Eats, and, and Grubhub. And I, I'm not sure, like, it, if, if the goal is to, you know, run through a tunnel till you get to some certain point, you know, obviously peeling off a bunch of business um, is going gonna, is gonna to really disrupt that flow. And it's not that I think the companies fail because the sales go down. It just, it just opens up questions. And it's such a... Uh, such an open time right now. And I think the questions to your point about uh, not getting a hard yes or hard no from an investor, the questions I think are what I'm hearing a lot of our portfolio companies go through right now, which is, you know, not that they're getting no's, but that the due diligence is taking significantly longer. And I think these outside, you know, factors, reports coming from, you know, Procter & Gamble and Shopify and all these companies, you know, are impacting investors and they want to ask more questions. And, you know that's um it's not a it's not a bad place for founders to be necessarily it's a it's a point where i think you can shine if you have great answers and if you're well prepared investors will understand that and you'll rise above everyone else uh, but it also circles back to this theme of you know all this stuff just takes longer right now I'm curious, I'm going to hit you with a left field question here now that we didn't talk about in the pre-show, but just related to this, and hopefully it doesn't backfire on me. So you a couple of episodes ago, you mentioned the fact that something like 50% of your sales at the various Five Guys locations you guys have come through these third-party platforms. And, um, you know... And, and that in that those customers actually have no direct relationship with the restaurant. So like, you don't know what their phone number is. You don't know what their email is. You, yep. you, you literally know nothing about them, even though they're eating your food. I guess the, the question I would ask you is at what point do restaurants and I guess the vendors that, that put the food into these networks start to look at themselves and say, we've got to start building a relationship with the underlying customer. I mean, does that ever happen? You think? It's a great question. And honestly, I would have said a long time ago that it would have happened. Uh, and I also would have thought too, like the big brands would get together and say like, Hey, like what's, you know, what's, what's DoorDash offering you? You know, like, let's, like, let's, let's all gang up and like collaborate and figure out, you know, how to, you know, beat these guys at their own game. Uh, but I think the example that, that's out there that is a very telling one are, OTAs, online travel agencies, Expedia's of the world, like they still do <laughs> millions of bookings with Marriott and Hilton and and all that stuff, and they add extremely low levels of value to the process. Um, you know, the, they really just are not subject matter experts in what they do. Um, so I, I don't know. I, it, I, it, I was insanely interested to see it. Um, but uh, you know. It, Here's the thing, like you talked about, like we were at almost 50%. Um, and while there may be some reversion to the mean, I don't think that we're going to back to 0% through third-party deliveries. I don't think our customers would accept that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we're going back mm -hmm. to 10%. Um, you know, maybe we settle somewhere in like the 20s or 30s, who knows? But that's a significant chunk of business for, for a, a business like ours. So, okay, so you know I'm a big believer in this whole intersection of online and offline, and that's, sure. that's what I want to invest in. That's where I'm spending a lot of my time, especially this summer, I'm spending a lot of my professional time at. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, you know, I just think about it like almost you use the example of the OTAs. Like if I, even if I use Expedia, like just this is a bad example, but I'm going to throw it out there. Even if I use Expedia to buy an airplane ticket, right? 
which as as a hardcore traveler, you, you would have a conniption if you, if I, if you saw me actually do this. I think, but but <laughs> if I were to do that <laughs> uh, as a consumer, uh, and let's say I end up buying an underlying flight through United or whatever, United does try to do. If you look at their like drip campaigns via email and through the app and all that during the check in process and everything, I know it's not perfect. But a lot of these airlines will let you buy through those Expedias or whatever, but then they're actually trying to convert you into a direct customer. Like they're, they're sure. not even shy about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm only, I know that's not a great example, but I just want to mention that because like, you know, if you're going to use the OTA as an example of, uh, in this conversation, I think at some point, and I think it's going to be soon, uh, restaurants and, you know, the food company or food places that are pushing food into these third-party delivery networks are going to have to start getting smart about uh, building that direct relationship with with customers. And it'll be interesting to see where that plays out. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Beacon here in a second. But so this summer, on a professional note, so on a personal note, I've just been, been spending a lot of time with the family. And, uh, you know, I bored you to death earlier about, you know, I uh, did a, a Harry Potter uh, marathon with my oldest daughter. She's eight. And we went through yep. all the show, all the movies. It was her first time. And just, it was amazing to be able to actually have the time to sit there and watch her go through the emotions and the ups and downs and, and all that. But on a professional note, I've been working on beacon, which we'll talk about, but I've actually also been, I mentioned this QR code project to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, uh, uh, the, the quick summary of that is, is that, um, uh, a couple episodes ago, I, uh, basically took over a bunch of QR codes at a bunch of bars that I was visiting at uh, in my old neighborhood in DC, changed the QR codes out, started getting data on how many people were uh, scanning these QRs to get the menus. Long story short, I ended up sort of getting into the bars now. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> blood-sucking capitalist and uh, part-time barkeep, I guess. I don't know what my new LinkedIn's going to be. But here's the thing. Um, uh, we then on those interstitial pages. So if you can imagine it, when you scan your QR code to get the menu, I'm tagging you now, but we're, we've started like creating a membership program where you, you know, I think for 29 bucks a month, you're getting 15% off of all your drinks. You're getting free stuff. You're getting all this stuff at these bars. And these are local bars. These are not chains or anything like that. Well, it's working. Customers are buying into it. Um, now it's still early. It's only been, I think three months, maybe something like that. And we've, you know, we've gotten like a bunch of people signing up and paying for these memberships. And then this Tuesday, um, I'm getting the GMs together from all the bars to launch this thing more broadly. But here's the reason I say this, like by building that direct relationship with the customer, we're seeing, uh, two to three X more visits per week and 50% more spend from those customers on every check. Now, now I know that's not going to directly correlate to what's happening at five guys or anywhere else, but I just pointed out as an, as a possibility for anybody running restaurants or bars or brick and mortar to be thinking about, you know, like what can tech do for you now? Um, I, I just think that it, if I were to give you a hot take on this episode, I would say this. I think here's an idea that I think is probably a fringe idea right now, but will be mainstream in the offline brick and mortar world in 10 years. And that is you will have to build a direct relationship. Like you're going to use these third parties like Uber Eats, like DoorDash, whatever, to, to get the customer. But then you're going to do what United and what all the big guys do. And that is it's like work your hardest to make sure that all your email drips, SMS drips and everything somehow convert these people into direct customers. 
Uh, so it, that's a fringe idea now. Nobody's really messing with it. Maybe because they don't have to, maybe because times are good, but I guarantee you that's going to be a mainstream conversation within the brick and mortar world, uh, within 10 years, probably much faster than that. Timestamp this. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. It's going to be much faster. I don't know what the, what the catalyst is going to be for the shakeout, but I would agree it's going to happen much faster, especially going in, you know, going into this, whatever it is, inflation, recession, inflation, um, <laughs> margins are going to get pinched and and business owners are going to need to maintain their margin somehow and so they're going to yeah. they're they're going to get aggressive we're going to see guerrilla warfare tactics in my opinion oh, uh, yeah. you know what what exactly those are I, I can't tell you but but i see guerrilla warfare tactics coming uh, and coming soon to a restaurant area well it, i okay so personal request i think if if people see anything interesting like this like interesting membership programs or interesting ways that somebody you bought from uber eats tried to target you like email it to us show at results like i would love to see more of this stuff because I, I i'm yeah. really really interested in this stuff yeah um not only in investing in it but but trying to build it too i think there's there's something yeah. there All right, so let's let's wrap up talking about Beacon. Um, you know, I we we before I left for Disney, we were stuck in this loop where I couldn't actually sign up, so I was getting I was vicariously getting all my data through <laughs> you. Um, and you're like, oh, I know why that's I know why that's broken. I'm going to fix it. Um, so I'm I'm curious where things stand because as a as a podcast nerd, I just I just love that you're running down this road. Okay, good news is I know what cause that bug. Bad news is that bug is not fixed. <laughs> okay. So while you've been away, um, I, I talked about this in the last episode, but I've been rebuilding everything, um, on into like my own, my, like pulling it off the cloud. And we talked about moving it onto like my SQL and things like that. But I've also simultaneously moved it onto my own iron, my own servers. Um, so that actually has started running as of, uh, again, I, you know, I know people may not listen to these in order. So uh, about four or five days ago from this recording, uh, the, the, the new system started crawling. Um, by the time this episode goes out, uh, the new data should be plugged into the front end and you'll be able to start to see it. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. So like now, okay, so I am embarrassed to admit this, but the trending topics that you see on the website prior to this episode are primarily based off of a snippet of the podcast. So what it's doing is, is like taking the description and a couple other things and then trying to figure out what you talk about. And it's reasonably interesting. You know, I showed you some data about, you know, Roe versus Wade and stuff like that. Yeah. As of last week, you know, four or five days ago when the new system turned on, what it's actually doing is doing a, it's creating a full transcription of the audio with reasonable accuracy. I think we've got like I'm on my, my control tests where like 92%, 93% accuracy right now. So it's taking a, like, like, like for example, this episode's a 35, 40 minute episode. It'll take the system about, I'll, I'll call it about 30 seconds to convert that into something it can understand, uh, in text. And then, so anyway, the trending topics are getting better but also this full search, the, the ability to do a full transcript search is now possible. By the time this episode goes out, the back end will be powering the front end. And uh, if I'm lucky, you'll have a search box that you can start to type in words to. Nice. So it, it, 
it's not like I don't want to. I'm I'm afraid of like embarrassing myself in front of like real hardcore <laughs> engineers that might listen to this. But like this was not trivial at all, and and I grossly underestimated how much work it was going to be, and I grossly overestimated uh, overestimated my own ability to build this. <laughs> so. <laughs> When we talked about this a week or two ago, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll take me like three days. Not a big deal. And here we are two weeks later. And, um, you know, the system, the new system's only been running four or five days now. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of work behind the scenes, but um, the quality is just way better. I mean, I, I wish you could have seen me uh, a couple days ago. I was like banging on my desk. It's like, yes, this is working. Dana came down and thought something was wrong. <laughs> and I. I was like, look at this, look at the screen. It's working. It's working. And she just looked at me and she's like, okay, listen, you need to leave to go pick up the kids right now. And it's like, ah, oh, nobody appreciates this. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Better trending topics are coming soon. Um, the full text search box should be working here pretty soon. And then I'll turn my attention towards, uh, getting the login uh, for, if you're listening this far and you care at all about this, um, if you signed up and you hit that login issue, don't worry, you're still signed up. Um, it's, I'll get the bug fixed, but you didn't do anything wrong. I've got your email and you'll start to get the weekly emails probably next Friday when I, when I started off. So I, I am unreasonably excited about stuff you can't see. <laughs> I'm, I'm just ready, man. I'm ready to start pushing buttons. It, I will say it has been really cool to see how many people actually replied to emails, replied to the podcast. Like, I, I don't, you know, like, I think I told you this in an episode or two ago. It's like, you know, optimistic me or, or investor me is like, oh man, okay, here's the one or two things this thing has to do right for it to be useful, right? Like, it's got to have search. It's got to have this, right? Yeah. But then like, you know, cynical me. Uh, I'm not a pessimist, but like cynical me that's like maybe bogged down in code for a while is like, oh, does anybody even want this? And getting emails from people I've never met that listen to the pod or get my weekly newsletter that are like, hey, man, this is cool. Check out this. I saw this one trending topic. How do I learn more about it? Like, it's just so cool to see people I don't know and have never met use something that I'm embarrassed to even show you because it looks so bad. <laughs> so uh, super fun. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, this, this all goes back to podcasts as a whole and just, you know, the, the, I think the folks that are in this ecosystem that just understand discoverability is the, the largest challenge. So you're, you're tackling a problem. So many of us want to see fixed. Yeah. So I, I hope so. So yeah, the good news is we're getting better or we're getting closer to better data and better search for you guys uh, and discoverability. Uh, not so good news for me anyways, as I have not crossed the monetization chasm yet. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm eating it at the moment, but uh, that's probably not the first time. <laughs> so, so, so we'll see. But um, anyway, super exciting and super interesting to see how it plays out. And by the time you listen to this, um, if you go to getbeacons.com, uh, you should be able to see the new data and search it and play with it and find more bugs for me. So <laughs> we'll see where that goes. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm not going anywhere uh, other than maybe a beach trip later this week or later this month. Uh, what about you? Any? Uh, you've been on the road for two weeks. Are you even ready to talk about more travel? 
man, it's ugly out there. I have travel scheduled for next week, so a week from over recording. Um, some of it depends on how you know if I get if I test positive for COVID again. We drove home uh, because both kids tested positive during our, our Disney trip, which presented a bunch of unique challenges. So uh, it's crazy out there, and the airline ticket prices are just brutal. I'm still seeing fares, you know. I'm seeing Vegas fares, which used to be the discount destination, like, you know, easily 600 bucks round trip for coach, sometimes 800 or a thousand bucks round trip for coach. And if you're not booking a month out, there's nothing but middle seats. So uh, forget first class. You're talking, you know, $2,000 one way first class fares for the nonstops. It's just brutal, uh, insane. So uh, I don't know when travel is going to be back to normal. Um, it is not going to be this month. Well, for another episode, uh, I know you will totally disagree with me on this, but Dane and I have started to have that harder discussion about private travel and pilot's licenses. And, you know, we've got, I mean, we, I haven't pulled the trigger yet to do anything with it yet. Um, I don't think I can justify paying for a NetJets account or anything like that. I just don't right. see the ROI there. Um, but, you know, we've started to talk about, like, our, what would the investment look like to go get a commercial you know, license or, or at least a commercial, you know, level of training, you know, 250, 300 hours before putting the family into a twin engine or something like that. Um, because cost aside, like our family's getting larger and even just the flexibility of just being able to pick up and go might, might outweigh this thing. Like, like anyway, we'll save for another episode. With, yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely getting there with that number. Cause I like the, I get, I get the, I get the emails and the texts and the tweets from folks asking for help, trying to find four tickets for their family of four, um, as opposed to like your family of, you know, 32. So you're definitely <laughs> getting closer to, 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 to making private or some version of private payoff. Hey, I'm listen, there's a reason why there's a billion Indian people. It's cause, uh, I'm doing my duty here to just crank out as many kids as I can. <laughs> You are absolutely succeeding at that. And I live, I don't even live vicariously through you. I, I have, I wake up with cold sweats trying to figure out how you're going to manage all these kids. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if you figure it out, let me know. I'll let you know too. <laughs> well, all right, man. It's, all, it's good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm glad you're back. And I'm, I'm uh, sorry you're dealing with all that travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope, it, let's hope we're not dealing with it for too much longer. All right, buddy. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man.